Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello and uh, good morning to you and a welcome to March 28th. I have uh, with me today a woman that I have such admiration for. I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm going to embarrass you just for a second. I just, I'm in awe of her. Uh, for 30 years, she has been with Planned Parenthood of Western Pennsylvania m- almost all of that time as the s- president and CEO. And she's not, like, insane yet. <laughs> She's not living in a padded cell. I mean, well, thank you. That's well, a nice yeah, introduction, yeah, right. Liz. Thank you. Yeah. No, that's I very mean, kind. Thank you. You know, not most of us don't have to go to work and uh, walk through a, a phalanx of uh, people mm-hmm. screaming at us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that can be challenging at times, but uh, <sighs> you know, we have our rules. You just keep walking. Go. You just keep yeah, walking. You keep walking. You right. know what you're doing. And, um, you know, we, at Planned Parenthood, I think we're all very committed to our mission. And that is making sure that people have access to the birth control and reproductive health care they need, that they get education so that they can make the right choices. And, uh, and we advocate for people. We are strong advocates so that people have these choices and can make their own decisions. And that's very empowering. You know, you just said access to birth control. Is that even a controversy? Um, do some of you know that I, when I was already of age, um, a woman on my own, could not access birth control because I was not married? Yes. And even people who were married. Mm-hmm. Yes. In some states, right? Right. It was 1965. Was Griswold, is that Griswold? Griswold? Yes, when birth control became legal for married people. <laughs> and it was some years later when it became legal for unmarried people. Yeah, that, it's hard to believe, you know, isn't that it? I know. I mean, I was already fully formed, uh, sexually active mm-hmm. woman. Yeah. yeah, and that didn't mean people weren't accessing it. It just wasn't legal. No. So, um, you know, people were over time getting newer and newer methods were becoming available, and Planned Parenthood was a big part of that. Um, you know, I do like to tell the story that we've been around for 89 years here in Pittsburgh, over 100 nationally, and we have been working on these issues for all those years. And I think that's part of the reason we're a national organization with a very successful um, um, history of helping women, empowering women bringing better and new methods of birth control to people and making those available, and um, that's part of the controversy. Stop and think of just the title of the organization, Planned Parenthood. What could be more benign (laughs) than, okay, let's help people control their parenthood, you know, whether Mm -hmm. they're ready to have a family, you know, all of this. And that Planned Parenthood has become such a, you know, the boogeyman of the, of the right. It's just amazing. But we really want to focus today on something, the latest attack, because this one strikes me as uh, frightening, mm-hmm. truly frightening. 
I mean, there's you're under constant threat. Yes. Right. Yes, we are. Ev- and especially when Republicans are in uh, power. Yes, it's been much worse since um, 2017 when the new what administration took new? over. Right. And since that time, there has been a really a continuous effort to defund Planned Parenthood. And so that was the first year was a legislative attack where as part of the ACA repeal law, they were trying to defund Planned Parenthood. When that didn't succeed, they've moved now to an administrative process. But wait a minute, wait a minute. You say defund Planned Parenthood. So obviously you're saying the uh, Planned Parenthood gets money from uh, government. Yes. Yes. In, yes. In, okay. But, so, but it's been long, 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 long time since, I mean, no money can be used to terminate a pregnancy. That is correct. So yes. when they come at defunding Planned Parenthood, are they, they're coming at what? Uh, well, I yeah. mean, they're the, coming the, at what? Giving women uh, gynecological control. exams, exactly. birth control? Exactly. So, because it's already, it's a done deal. There's no federal funds coming. Right. There is no federal funds. We are audited annually to make sure there are no federal funds that go to abortion. Um, But another point, the first year, that money that they were trying to take away was Medicaid reimbursement. So that was reimbursement for providing services, birth control services and well women exams to people who were on medical assistance. Now, when they weren't successful with that, they are going after what we call the family planning program, the federal family planning program, which is Title 10, and they are essentially saying that if you provide abortion services or you refer someone to an abortion, you cannot have, you cannot accept this money. And this is money that provides services to um, low-income women. What percentage of the women that you, uh, you see over a um, few blocks from here, what, what, what percentage are on that that access, that yeah, access yeah, yeah. care. Um, it's about six thousand, um, six thousand people a year. It's about a third of our uh, people who come through the door. Do you think those six thousand women are even aware? No. The, I, I don't. Mean, no, are they even aware that it could be what this rule goes into effect next month, May third? Okay, I'm just a yeah. little ahead of myself yeah. here. But you're close. And it's in almost five April. weeks. Okay, yeah, yeah. in five weeks. Yeah. There are women who get their care from you because they are on that mm-hmm. medical assistance. Well, they this isn't know. even medical assistance. So this is a special program that if you're oh, the, below a certain um, income level, you can have free services. Okay. But and it also covers, though, because there are so many people that, for example, are on the Affordable Care Act and they have insurance, but their insurance isn't that good, um, and they have low income because it has been mandated, and so they can't afford the co-pays, they can't afford the deductibles. Um, and many people will come and they'll use their insurance and they owe everything, you know, it doesn't even cover it. And so we also take those folks and we slide their fee to either zero or to whatever level on the sliding fee scale so that even some folks with insurance are eligible if you end up with, you know, a huge amount that you have to pay. So it helps people with lower incomes. So that's who is being targeted. Birth okay. control for people who have lower incomes. So this is an attack on the access to health care uh, by um, poor women. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
It's targeted specifically um, at poor women. And the people who really will be hurt are people in rural communities. So for example, in Cambria County and Somerset County, where we have health centers, we are the only Title X provider. Oh, there are no okay. others. So there are no community health centers. Okay. It's us. And so if we are not able to um, accept Title X services, um, there's nowhere else have for them to go. Exactly. Okay, so exactly. you're a poor woman in Somerset County, and you got, you know, you're used to getting your care through, and and you don't know from Title Ten. I mean, no. that's people it, right? just know there's federal they, they money. They know that they there's this money. Yeah. They're in this program. Right. Blah 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 blah. And if you're a poor person, you might not have a car. Mm -hmm. You might not have access to. You know, there's not a lot of public transportation in Somerset County. No. So no. what happens to the woman who has nowhere else to go or easily can get to just to access basic mm -hmm. health care? Right. So that, this that resource <sighs> is gone. Yeah. But we, of course, have made a commitment that uh, even if we lose our funding, we will not close our doors. We will figure out how to be open. We are fundraising. Um, we are trying to raise enough money to cover that loss of funding. And what? What? How much money do you need to cover? Well, we're cover working to raise 1.2 million dollars, um, and that would cover for several years. Because if we lose it, we're of course anticipating that it would not come back during this current administration. So you're saying that people now would be a really good time if people give to Planned Parenthood of Western Pennsylvania well, give. Yeah. I, no, seriously, <laughs> yes. because what you're giving, uh, what you're giving is the gift of access to health care to poor women who live mm -hmm. here. Right. They're about yes. to lose it. Yes. And we really are committed and, you know. So you mean you will do that for them I mean that th those women our goal is to continue the program as it is with the same guidelines in place um, and fund it ourselves <laughs> so that people have access because they have to I mean people this is a basic health care is a right is a basic human right in my opinion and yes. people need to have this in order to control their lives being able to decide if and when you have kids is so important uh, particularly yeah. for people who have limited have uh, resources. Exactly. And, I mean, and that's, that's why the program started in the first place. So this started back in 1970 um, because Congress rec re realized that people needed to be able to space their families, they need their children, control their families, decide if and when they wanted to have kids. And it was a very popular program. There was actually a stamp, um, I think it's 1972, an eight cent stamp, um, it says family planning on it to raise awareness of the importance of having access to birth control. This occurs to me. This would be Richard Nixon. Yes, it was. Mm -hmm. It was. Man, how how Things the Republicans have, have gone off the yeah. rails, yeah. off the cliff. Yeah. yeah. The other thing that I just want to point out with this, um, this is very unethical. And of course, um, they're all the all the big um, healthcare organizations: American Medical Association, ACOG, American Nurses Association. They're all against it. against this. Yeah. Yes. And um, in fact, the AMA is the lead plaintiff in Planned Parenthood's lawsuit against this. Okay. So any healthcare provider, doctors, nurses, yes. they're saying to the government, "What the f are you right. doing? Right. This is insane. This will harm our patients." 
It will harm our patients, and it also sets a terrible precedent because the government, the Department of Health and Human Services, is basically saying you are not allowed to tell a pregnant person that abortion is an option for them. When it is, and it's legal. legal. So what happens if there is another... You mean so they can... Stop and think. That's why it's called a gag rule. That's why it's like... So a doctor can't give a full full disclosure to, uh, of what is available to uh, a, a family, a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, what they are allowed to do, if a person asks for an abortion <laughs> referral, they can give them a list of primary care providers in their community who may or may not uh, provide abortion, and they're not allowed to tell them if they provide abortion. <laughs> And if you're at all familiar with Pennsylvania abortion law, you will know that it's very strict, it's very regulated, it's, uh, it's expensive and difficult to comply with, and there are no primary care providers that None. are providing abortion services. None. Nobody. So you would go through the exercise of giving them a list of family practice doctors who don't provide abortion, but you can't tell them that, and they can you know, call through that list. It's, it's appalling. It really is. But it makes you think that, so this is the ideology of the people who are running HHS right now. So what if you have different people in there? What if you have people in there that don't believe in... um, Birth control, because those guys are rising up. What else? Right, birth control. They don't believe in what? But there are religious groups that don't believe in, for example, meat-based medications, and there are some. Some that don't believe in flu vaccines. There's groups that don't, religions that don't believe in heart transplants or certain heart surgeries because it's against their religion. Okay. So now. What if people like that have, exactly. yeah. So, so that so we are, religious actually, bureaucrats can literally intrude between a doctor and dictate care. medical And that's exactly care. what's happening here. Someone else's religious belief. And for some of these folks, um, the other piece that they're doing, not to get too much into the weeds, but they're really changing the intent of the program. So it's gone from being a program where you have to provide all the medically approved methods of birth control to now they don't have to be medically approved and you can provide one. Wait you could get this money and provide the rhythm method. Okay, wait a minute. So the money that you've been getting to yes. give real medicine to women, birth control, mm-hmm. education, blah, 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 yep, is now going to go to some... It religious could. group that it could they've changed the grant requirements so and that, they're no, actually, they are going to send it to abstinence only they could absolutely yeah. or someone that just promotes um you know. and wait a minute that's my tax dollars right mm-hmm. but it, you know the intent is to help people be able to make their own you know, to control their fertility and for people who have no money to have access to birth control and this is what it's being turned to because of the ideology of the people running the program. And that's just wrong, despite what you think about birth control. Right, it is exactly. wrong that the government is doing this. I can't believe it's 2000 and whatever the heck it is, and mm-hmm. we're still here. Mm-hmm. We're going backwards. Yeah, it's, it's actually, it's very frightening. Because there are all different beliefs out there about medical practices. And who's to say it's not another religion, another ideology, getting control and making decisions about information you would get about a service you might need. I just read this the other day. The Republican governor of Mississippi has signed a bill 
essentially banning abortions uh, once doctors can detect a trace of a heartbeat uh, with an ultrasound, which means that a woman who is like six weeks pregnant doesn't even know she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. And this is unconstitutional on its face. It is unconstitutional. And they know it, and the governor of Mississippi knows it, and he signed it, and this is all an effort to get... Some uh, they're they're coming, they're coming down the pike every two minutes to get these cases to the all new Trump Supreme Court. Yes, with Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, mm-hmm. and we know Alito and we know Thomas, a little unsure of Roberts, and they will overturn mm-hmm. or eviscerate little yes. by little, right? Mm-hmm. Roe v. That's Wade. The plan. So all these women, young women now, who just assume that they control their own medical fate are going to find out what it was like right before Roe. It will either be so inaccessible with barriers or it will be overturned and go back to the states and then you'll have a patchwork of And then here in Pennsylvania you won't be able to access. It it will go to the states. Mm-hmm. So if you live in a red state controlled by Republicans as we do uh, except for the governor mm-hmm. and our Supreme Court but yes. the legislature? The legislature right now is not is not supportive. You're correct. Some states have already taken the steps. Um, West Virginia in the last election voted to overturn or not not or to make abortion illegal if it is turned over to the state. So we already know West Virginia will be. <laughs> Alabama is another one that did that. So okay. some states are proactively. They're so excited about being able to control women exactly. that they will even before mm-hmm. the fact. Yes, state. I in this article about the Mississippi law, there is a vignette that really struck me because it's something I've noticed that a lot of people who are opposed to like Planned Parenthood and others, they all or opposed to gay marriage. As soon as they personally, like someone in their family or something, comes home to them because it is that personal and that close they all of a sudden see the light. Mm-hmm. So listen to this one story. This guy is a Republican member of the Mississippi State Legislature who has always been anti-abortion. Mm-hmm. He voted against this law. And here's what he told his colleagues. My niece was pregnant was told that her fetus had no bladder, no functional kidneys. The doctor explained to her that she could carry the child throughout the remainder of the gestation, the entire nine months, and deliver that baby live into this world. But once it was born, once it was delivered, it would live two, three days And those two to three days would be excruciating and Mm -hmm. agonizing for the baby and for that mother. Who are we to sit in judgment on their decision? But it took that Mm -hmm. coming right to his, like, sister's child to be able to, why can't people... Why aren't these, if we can get these kinds of stories out there Mm -hmm. that humanize this 
but you know, a lot demagogued of demagogued issue. You're right, and a lot of those stories are out there. You're, you're reading it from from the newspaper, New York but Times. People, people don't. Yeah, yeah, people don't believe it until they're in that situation. And you know, we see that at our our health center as well. That people will come in and say, "Oh gosh, I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not pro-choice. I'm anti-choice, but my situation's different." And you know, everybody's situation is different, and people yeah. have very, very difficult circumstances, and you know, very sad stories. But the the ability, I think, for people to be empathetic, to realize that everybody's the same. I mean, we all have difficult things that face us. And the best thing you can do is let people make their own decisions. Of course. Like trust women to make these decisions. Right. And make sure that birth control is available to people so that you can plan your pregnancies and you're not in a situation where you find yourself unable to afford birth control or to find it or the barriers are so great that you just can't get it. You know, there's part of me that's having an out-of-body experience listening to you and thinking, I can't believe that we're, we're talking about this all these years later and here now, yes, talking about this. Planned Parenthood also engages in a big part of it, sex education, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you have yes. people dedicated to that's what they do. Correct. Mm-hmm. And you go into schools and, and stuff. But schools are under constant also pressure from these same groups so that our kids are not getting comprehensive, usually, sex education right. in right. schools. Yeah, in Pennsylvania, there's no um, law about sex education. Some states do have laws that say, you know, you must provide these elements of sex education. So for us, it's a district-by-district district, um, decision. And so in some place, some schools do a better job than others. Um, but you're right. Um, just basic sex education is still controversial. I'm going to share some facts. In the, in the United States the maternal death rate, the number of women dying because they are pregnant has dramatically increased over the last 30 years, Mm -hmm. specifically for black women who are three to four times more likely to die as a result. These are the very, I mean, we're talking, and so we're talking about women that already are at risk, Mm -hmm. women that now we're going to pull even more access right. to good care right. from. And statistically, with the Title X program, um, there are more women of color who use that program. Sure. Um, it's disproportionate to that population, and of course, people who don't have financial resources, too. And stop and think. What everybody is now seeing is that, depending on where you are born, the color of your skin, the uh, the bottom line in your bank account, that that is one of the greatest determinants of whether or not you will be a healthy mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. So the poor woman in Somerset County is already at a disadvantage. Yeah. And here are the folks in Washington making sure that uh, she will be even more mm-hmm. so yeah and you see this is also a group that is politically not 
organized, doesn't have a voice. Right, they're not powerful. You're exactly right. It is so easy to just keep piling, piling on. So your Planned Parenthood is one of 53 in the country. Correct. Mm -hmm. You serve like a whole hunk of how many counties in Pennsylvania? Well, we actually have um, 26 counties in Pennsylvania, but we are concentrated in the western, southwest. You're also concentrated, I imagine, where where the the most people are and the cities are. There's a lot of rural space in Pennsylvania. So all Mm -hmm. of that rural space, women really have to proactively and often it is harder. You know, one of the things that we are working on right now is online health services, though. So through um, basically telemedicine, telemedicine, people will be able to get birth control um, pills. Um, we'll be doing um, like UTIs and you know basic infections and things like that eventually. But we're trying to get more birth control available through other ways for people in areas that don't have a facility or a Title X organization. So... This is a done deal, this gag rule? Well, you know, it's gone through um, public comment. Half a million people um, registered their concerns and their opposition to it. And who listened. Yes, and and it came out on the other end even more more (laughs) egregious. So they just doubled down as usual. And nothing changed. The the comments didn't make a difference. So, yes, so we're in the final phase. The final rule has been issued, and we are, there's a 60-day period after it's published, um, and that's the phase that we're in now. There are a couple uh, court cases, probably six across the country, several with Planned Parenthood um, protection provided if, if this would be overturned or if there would be an injunction, but um, here is the other thing with this administration uh, working night and day to pack the federal judiciary, uh, the odds of the you often won in courts. Courts mm-hmm. would say, "What? This is unconstitutional." Right. But with them packing all these courts, that becomes less likely to happen. Right. You're absolutely right. And ultimately, um, you know, if all the courts hear it, it ends up at the Supreme Court. Um, A similar gag rule was, um, did go to the Supreme Court from the Reagan administration, and it was upheld. But since then, there have been some changes. This this rule is a little bit different. Plus, there are things like the Affordable Care Act (coughs) that provides protections that you can't (coughs) provide lower standard of health care to people who are poor. Ah, oh, you believe that even has to be said. And and but, let us remember that the president has now said he's going after that. Exactly. So that is one of the you know protections that it, we might have for this. Um, but you're right. Now that's up in the air again. <laughs> Beth writes, why don't women attack the availability of men's ED drugs? Is that mm-hmm. oh. erectile dysfunction? Oh, yes, excuse me. Mm-hmm. How come, yeah, they're readily available? Huh? They are readily available, covered by insurance. They're covered by insurance. Oh, absolutely, yes. Why don't women go after that? Or can't we get the pill reclassified as an estrogen disorder? Then it too is an ED drug. <laughs> I don't know. God! Yeah, it's okay, but that points out the just innate sexism that's yes. 
at work here. Is there any law you're aware of that similarly, any laws that similarly make a man's body uh, political territory that state legislatures come in and say, no, you can't do that? We're I'm not aware of any. I'm not aware of any. Anyone? Can you think of any? And pe- people have even pointed out that, you know, some religions consider, you know, every egg needs to be a fertilized egg. That's, But every sperm ah! doesn't have a function, right? No, they so just the swimming way around wo- trying to get lucky. The way a woman's yeah. fertility is treated is very different from a man's fertility. And why would that be? Do you think it's because it's men who've been writing all the laws? Yes, I would imagine that's the case. I, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. This is why I say that you are not in a padded room. <laughs> Makes me, I mean, that you just keep coming back to work. Well, you know, you just have to put some of those things on a shelf. There you, you know, go. when Viagra first came out, you know, everybody was, it was just like, of course that would be available. And of course it sails through all the processes and comes onto the market. Yeah, so Viagra is available, which means more women might be getting pregnant. Right. 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 But the hell with their ability to... Well, and, and at that point, we were really fighting to get, you know, contraceptive coverage in all the insurance plans. and you So know, insurance and sure plans often don't didn't cover. They didn't before Until the Affordable before Care Obamacare. Act. Until before Obamacare. Yes. Before yes. Obamacare, women... Oh, God, it just makes me crazy. Didn't, yeah, you did not. You did not have a guarantee. It was up to the employer. Right. Um, and now we still have those it issues around is. the conscious clause and stuff like right. that. But um, but no, at the time it was like you know everybody was like, well wait, you can get Viagra and men have an absolute right to that, but women don't have an absolute right in their health care to get birth, birth control? control. Yeah. I so mean, and for want of yeah. birth control, there's a, a, they get pregnant. Right. For want of Viagra, what happens to a guy? Mm-hmm. Aww. <laughs> what be the consequence there? Excuse me. See, yeah. this is why I couldn't do what he's doing. I couldn't do it in a million years. Okay, so what I'm getting out of this conversation is we need to step up. And um, if you care about this issue at all, Planned Parenthood is going to lose access to these funds, which, forget Planned Parenthood, which is to say that thousands of women, four million women across the country, and thousands right here, and they don't even know it, they're going to be blindsided, and they will lose access unless... These guys can raise 1.2, you said, million, mm-hmm. which will allow yeah. them. And let me tell you something. I know these guys. If they say that's where that money's going, that's where that money's going, okay? It will go to giving those women continued access because their government has pulled the rug out from under their health. And access to care. So how do people contribute to you? Um, We have a website. You can find Planned Parenthood at ppwp.org. Also, you can call me. I'm happy to talk to anyone. Uh, My number is 412-258-9530. 
happy to share more information if anyone needs it. But, you know, I also hope that people, as they think about this, are really outraged. You know, you know, it's just it's so infuriating that the government is doing this. It's wrong. It's just wrong on so many levels. Do you think, I mean, I th- women will be harmed physically, emotionally. Women might die because of this. Mm-hmm. Women could. Um, and, you know, a perfect example is what happened in Texas. And through a whole process, the, that state decided that they wanted to kick Planned Parenthood out of Medicaid they did. They stopped taking Medicaid money for family planning and decided to fund it themselves. And so they had about a third of what the pot of money had originally been. They got rid of Planned Parenthood and other providers. And the result has been more unintended pregnancies, less people getting pap smears, less people getting breast exams, um, increased rates of sexually transmitted infections, like all the things that you would think would happen if people don't have access to this health care. And for everybody who who says, you know, we need to reduce the number of abortions, yeah. then increase birth, <laughs> birth control, control availability. Then increase Don't put up everything these they do. Yes. Planned Parenthood would like nothing better than never to do another abortion because nobody gets pregnant exactly. when they don't want to. Exactly. And that's what's that's that, what Planned Parenthood is about. Yeah. And that that's probably my biggest frustration. Oh. You know, we could we could manage this situation. We could reduce the number of abortions in this country if we would just remove all the barriers, all the roadblocks and let women decide for themselves if they want to use birth control. Make it accessible, make it affordable, which is what this program tries to do on a small basis. Because it's not a whole lot of money that goes in. It's only like $286 million a year and that's for the whole country. Yes. And it's very, you know, you have to be very poor um, to get these free services. But we could make a difference if we really wanted to in this country. And that's what's so frustrating. That's probably my biggest um, frustration. Well... I hope you guys hearing this will not just, you know, mutter and get angry, but act. And one of the things, I mean, that you could do is write a check, whatever you can afford. If everybody did that, we could help the women who are about to get blindsided. What, May 3rd is when this kicks in? May 3rd. Some poor soul who's got an appointment for May 4th is going to show up at Planned Parenthood and find out she doesn't have what? She do- can't access? Well, that, that would be if we, um, yes, if we didn't make the pledge and the commitment to figure out a way to move forward. And but we, you're and we doing need to it. do that. But so that's you're saying what that you're is exactly. doing it. Well, we're committed to it. So yeah, but you can't do it. You can't conjure it unless you're going to start making counterfeit bills we in the We definitely need to raise money. That's why we are raising <laughs> money right now. Absolutely. And this um, was not a kind of a fund that you had expected to have to have. This is something yes. above and beyond yes. this is repl- normally. Yeah, this is replacing money that we will no longer have. Yes. And it is um, money for providing services. It's not just a pot of money to do with what we want. It directly goes towards serving people who don't have health care. Serving them such as, let's just get a list right. of the things that now they won't be able to It's access. well woman exams, breast and cervical cancer screening, sexually transmitted disease testing and treatment. Um, it's HIV testing. It is um, hepatitis C testing. 
Um, we birth also control. Do, oh, birth control, control, all the methods of birth control. Um, we also do PrEP, which is the pre-exposure prophylaxis for people who are most at risk. There is a whole set of um, services, that well woman services that we provide under the Title X program. Um, even advanced cancer screening, colposcopy services. Um, all those colposcopy? Are, colposcopy? It's for someone that has a bad pap smear and they need additional um, treatment. It's they, like a big microscope where our clinicians can look and then they can take biopsies um, okay. and then get someone into the appropriate treatment. It's a huge, um, important step for cervical cancer prevention. But these are all things that are so important to people who um, don't have access to mainstream health care or don't have money to be in the private insurance market. What else would you say that people can do for you? I mean, what is it that money, they when they go to the voting booth, should they be thinking of you? Should I don't know. What can people well, yeah, do? I'm, money, votes always count. Yeah, um, uh, we are knows. also kicking off... Um, sort of a, a pro protect Title X campaign. So we will be doing some events, some rallies and things like that. Um, we are hoping at some point there will be some legislative activity around this that um, perhaps not before May 3rd, but moving forward that um, some of our elected officials will get behind the Title X program and do what they can to um, can't reverse this gag rule, but they can certainly look at other pots of money, other ways to bring resources to poor women. And so there will be different opportunities for people to engage just in the advocacy side. It just, you know, that taking care from poor women, it's like taking candy from a baby. Let's pick on the most vulnerable mm -hmm. people just to rouse a certain crowd in this country. Well, right, it's to be punitive. This is clearly directed at Planned Parenthood. And so what they're trying to do is take away our money, but or not our money, taking away money that could come to Planned Parenthood. Focus to Planned Parenthood, but you're saying we ain't going anywhere We're and not. all it's hurting are, are these are women. women. Exactly. It's hurting women. It is also hurting, I contend, our whole ethical medical society. Yep. Because that's what these guys do. Kim Everett, I can't thank you enough. I uh, appreciate all the extraordinary work you do. Well, Lynn, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk about Title Anytime. 10 and talk about our campaign and the work that we do. Okay. And I'm happy to do that thank anytime you. as well. Anytime. Thank Bless you. Bless you. You can skedaddle back, walk through hordes of screaming lunatics to get back to your desk. And uh, are they out there today? Yes. They are? Yes. <laughs> of course. They are. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. And I might not. It's a very nice day out there. Yeah, it is a nice day for yeah, them. Yeah. It should only Water rain. Yeah, right. Okay, love you. Thank you. Bye. Damn. Can you imagine the courage it takes for her? It's not like people like her have not been targeted in truly violent ways, right? All right. I, you know, 
all I can say is, is please give. <coughs> I will. I don't have my checkbook here, but I will definitely uh, be writing a check specifically for that. Um, oh, I'm being reminded that um, the play uh, Wiesenthal, Nazi Hunter, uh, as you know, we, we interviewed uh, the producer and uh, playwright and actor uh, on, on the program uh, some weeks ago. Uh, that is showing tonight at uh, the August Wilson Center, and uh, tickets are still available. The, uh, the play starts at 7.30 tonight, so something you might want to do. I know my sister and my mom saw it um, in California, and they said it was incredible. It is, it's just 90 minutes uh, long. So uh, that's another possibility of, uh, of things you can, you can do. Uh, Barbara sent me something from a, a, a report about prisons in this country, and oh my, boy, there really is a war on women. Nationwide, women's state prison populations have grown, good God, almost a thousand percent over for the last 40 years. 834 percent. In 40 years. Ah, oh, yeah, we'll take their health care away. We'll take their ability to be able to uh, plan their, their families, their, uh, have some control over their lives, and we'll incarcerate them like we've never incarcerated them before. In fact, we're incarcerating women now more than double the pace of the growth among incarcerating men, which is already off the charts. Ah, God, guys. Okay. What else we got? Um, I got to tell you, this is just a heads up. <clears throat> a heads up about uh, Venezuela. It's not something we're talking about a lot, but I couldn't help but note that um, uh, Russia has sent um, troops there. They've sent mili Russian military troops. Now, it sounds exactly like the Vietnam War started with us sending, well, we're just sending some, uh, you know, special uh, people over to help the uh, Vietnamese, uh, just a few hundred. That's all. We're just in an advisory capacity. That's what the Russians are just doing now. Russian troops in our hemisphere <coughs> is the kind of thing that can cause a war. Yeah, just saying. Note that. It's an interesting case being brought by housing and urban development, and you know, normally that's that's <laughs> Ben Carson's thing, but I like this case. They're suing Facebook. What? 
why would HUD be suing Facebook? Well, this grows out of an investigation that began under the Obama administration, which makes more sense. But when the policy, when when the findings came out, it's quite clear that it's exactly what we were talking about yesterday when I was giving you this dystopian picture of you know micro targeting. Um, uh, by governments using all the data that Facebook collects and uh, following us literally uh, and figuratively and targeting us. that th This is so advertisers can know exactly where they're, it's they're mo most likely to find fertile ground, right? And so here we have housing and urban development saying that Facebook and its targeted advertising to people on their platform is creating, encouraging, enabling, and causing unlawful housing discrimination. That is a fascinating case because they're only targeting, right? Stop and think about it. They know who they want to target. So they're not even letting, and we can figure black people, poor black people, they're not even letting them see certain housing ads. You don't even get to know that there's a market because the markets now are specifically created by virtue of all this information that Facebook has. I think this is a great, uh, great case, and I'm sure we'll hear more about it. God. Um, what else do I got here? We have this frightening story in the Post-Gazette today. Uh, that would be especially frightening for young people living in Washington and Westmoreland counties, right right here, right outside town. You got Clarence in Cannonsburg. That's, he's sitting in it. Too old, though, to be too upset. But this is about some people starting to worry that there is this extremely rare cancer, and yet... There are a whole bunch of cases of it turning up in this little tight little circle in southwestern Pennsylvania. And it's called Ewing sarcoma. And it's very deadly. Get this. I mean, here, here's the thing that got me. Only 200 to 250 cases of this cancer occur in the United States in a year. Now that is a rare cancer. 200 to 250 in the entire United States per year. And yet, they're popping up left and right, right here, right here in this little space. 
It says here that based on a report by a concerned resident and by some uh, researchers from St. Vincent College, the prevalence of these Ewing sarcoma cases in Westmoreland County um, is, has gotten the attention of the Pennsylvania Department of Health and the U.S. Uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. They have launched um, a study. Um, the state has expanded the investigation to include the Cannon McMillan School District and uh, Washington County because the string of these cases began like just about 10 years ago. This is recent. And it's been kids, teenagers to young 20s, and they're getting diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma. Let me just, I mean, okay, 200 to 250 cases a year in the entire United States. And listen to this. Let me just read you this because this is spooky. Late in 2008, Alyssa Chambers, an 18-year-old Cannon McMillan senior, was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma, and she survived. She beat it, and she's become an oncology nurse at UPMC Shadyside. But then there's Kyle Delier, who lived in the area too, Cecil Township, he was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma in 2011. He died in 2013 at the age of 27. In June 2018, David Cobb also, and he's now having chemo. Uh, 21-year-old Cannon McMillan graduate uh, also just posted news that he has been diagnosed as uh, having Ewing sarcoma. Um, and he played baseball with one of the uh, deceased guys from the same thing. And everybody's trying to think, what the hell? There's got to be something. And he said, well, I worked at a golf course and was exposed to a lot of chemicals, you know, weed killers and things, and our, our house is in a valley surrounded by four gas wells. I heard about natural gas, and my mom's concerned about methane. So there's a whole bunch of other cancers, too. Um... Jesus, I mean, it, it doesn't, it, it just like begs, begs for uh, scrutiny. There are nine cases right now. Wait a minute. In addition to the Ewing sarcoma cases, there's a 14-year-old girl from Cecil Township. She died of a brain and spinal cord cancer just two months ago. And seven current students and two preschoolers in the Cannon-McMillan district have other types of cancer beyond the Ewing sarcoma. Two cases of bone cancer, one joint cancer, one joint cancer, another kind, kidney cancer, liver cancer, 
two leukemias and two a two-year-old with cancer that the, they they don't quite know exactly what it is and also another former uh, student Canon McMillan who's now 21 was just diagnosed with leukemia this kind of concentration means something's going on something's going on and it's striking down children and young adults some people think it has to that's a big fracking area fracking creates all kinds of pollutants there's also I think a landfill somewhere in the area that does have radioactive substances in it I I mean man if I were living in Canada McMillan School District I I don't know that's scary I'm just passing it on to you I mean I read it and freaked me out so uh, let us end today with this bizarre story out of Scotland that I came across <laughs> there's a bridge an old quaint bridge built in the 1800s um, looks to be stone and it crosses this big gorge with a little bit of a water under it and and it's it's in Dumbarton Dunbarton Scotland and the people who live there know that for some reason hundreds of dogs their dogs have jumped off that bridge many to their deaths many have survived but I'll give you just one um, one instance this is a woman uh, named Lottie McKinnon and she said it was three years ago she was walking with her border collie Bonnie of course a dog in Scotland is named Bonnie come on do better than that she was walking over the Overton Bridge in Dumbarton and here's her quote something something overcame Bonnie as soon as we approached the bridge at first she froze but then she became possessed by a, a strange energy and ran <coughs> and jumped right off the parapet. <coughs> now, Bonnie uh, was a lucky dog. Bonnie survived a the 50-foot drop. Um, but a lot of the dogs do not. At least 50 dogs have been known to die jumping off the Overton Bridge like lunatics and so it's now known as the dog suicide bridge and anyone who knows anything about dogs knows a dog would never commit suicide <laughs> dogs are nothing if not 
full of joyfulness and, and life. Um, researchers think that about 300 dogs have inexplicably jumped off the bridge and 50 of them have have died. So you do have a, you know, you got a chance at survival. There's been a book written about it, trying to figure out what's going on, but the mystery uh, remains. Now, there are people who say, well, it's because, you know, down below is a wooded area and they catch the scent of critters, like there's mink down there and and other smaller an, uh, mammals, and a dog smells that and goes woof, and doesn't realize maybe that that wall they're jumping over, <laughs> you know, has this huge drop on the other side. But then people discount that by saying, well, yeah, but there's lots of bridges like this around here. And there's also animals under the bridges that those dogs would smell, and they ain't jumping off those bridges. Only this bridge. The bridge was built in 1895. It's essentially an extension of a driveway to this huge manor house. Um, and, of course, there are people who also think that there's something going on that's like about ghosts and there are stories from inside that manor house that it is and after some guy a teacher of religion and philosophy who went and tried to get to the bottom of the mystery he ends up saying after 11 years of research I'm convinced it's a ghost that is behind this So there you have it. It's not clear why the dogs jump. You know, it reminded me as I read that, though, when that woman was describing Bonnie, first of all, like freezing and then getting agitated. My, not my current dog, but the dog I had before, there was one house in the neighborhood, still there, and when we would walk by it, I stopped walking by it because that house terrified the dog. She would get to a point at the house and like almost drop to the sidewalk, cringing her ears back and looking. And I would literally have to sort of like, you know, come on, it's okay, come on. And get, and it happened, I thought at first it was something, but then it happened again, bang. Right at that spot. And believe me, there was nothing. I look, I look, I look. There's nothing there. And I I decided, sort of like that philosophy professor, something, something's in there, something happened there. And the dog knows it. There's a body or something buried. Now, my current dog, we walked by that house just about five days ago. And my current dog is like, you know, not absolutely happy as can be. And, you know, he lifted his leg and did a little business. And a window opens on the second story of the house. 
got my attention. I look up and there's this big beefy guy in a wife beater shirt leaning out. And I was startled and I said, hi. And he said, I would appreciate it if you did not allow your dog to relieve himself in my yard. And I said, okie doke, and we went on our way. That's the first time something like, where the hell is a dog supposed to relieve himself? Jesus. Same house, that's all I'm saying. Same house, and I noted it's for sale right now. If you want to buy a house from a jerk who wears wife beater t-shirts and sits in his bedroom waiting for some poor dog and its owner to walk by and might have a ghost in the basement. I'm just saying. All right, that be it for me. I'll see ya tomorrow. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.